The gospel for this morning comes from John chapter 21, verses 1 through 19. After this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, and he revealed himself in this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, and the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. They said to him, we will go with you. They went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Just as the day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not, did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, children, do you have any fish? And they answered him, no. He said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast it and now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved therefore said to Peter, it is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment for he was stripped for work and threw himself into the sea. The other disciples came into the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from the land, but about a hundred yards off. When they got out on the land, they saw a charcoal fire in place with fish laid out on it and bread. Jesus said to them, bring me some of the fish that you have caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore, full of fish, 153 of them. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Now none of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them. And so with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus was revealed to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to them, feed my lambs. He said to him second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend to my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young and you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted, but when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. Here ends our reading. I bring grace, peace, mercy to you from God, our Father, Lord, and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. 
Uh, like Pastor Garrett said uh, in, in the beginning of our service this morning, we are continuing our Epiphany sermon series, Saving Realizations. Uh, the past few weeks, we have heard and, and seen these different epiphanies, these realizations uh, from different folks and people around Jesus who come to a realization uh, of a truth, a saving truth about Jesus, right? his nature, who he was, uh, what he came to do for them and for us. Um, and last week, uh, as Pastor Gary noted, uh, we saw pa- uh, Paul's epiphany. The man who was persecuting and trying to weed out Christians in the early church, but who encounters the risen Jesus on the road to Damascus and then takes all of that zealous behavior and character and turns it from persecuting to preaching the gospel of Jesus. A big change, a big flip of the script, an epiphany, a realization. Uh, And this week, we turn our attention to the apostle Peter. Uh, And so kind of um, looking at the two, um, and we're going to look more at Peter, right? Paul, uh, in his epiphany experience, what we see is sort of... this is unfair, but it's sort of this more instantaneous, not necessarily instantaneous, but this more quick and speedy following of Jesus. This moment occurs and everything changes. Boom, epiphany, clear as day. Uh, but when we look at Peter, uh, we see something different. We see this back and forth type of experience that Peter demonstrates in the Gospels. Uh, it's, it's getting it, he, he gets it, he doesn't get it, uh, he, he understands it, but not exactly how Jesus is necessarily trying to get him to understand it. Uh, Peter has this sort of up and down experience with Jesus and Jesus and during Jesus' ministry. Um, He's the disciple that struggles and wrestles with Jesus, if you will. Uh, even though, like, if, if, you, you, if you've, uh, you know Peter, if you've read the Gospels, he would hate that probably, that that's kind of what his legacy is. No, that's not me. I love you, Jesus. Come on. Uh, Peter is very much this sort of manic, it seems like. Uh, so just little background to fill in, because where we are in our scripture uh, lesson today is we're at the very end of John. Uh, this is the last chapter of the gospel according to John. Uh, and so there's lots of things that we've uh, come to know about Peter up until uh, uh, now. Uh, one, he's from Bethsaida, and he lived in Capernaum. And so both of these towns, they're coastal towns on the Sea of Tiberias, or otherwise known the Sea of Galilee. Uh, so it's this coastal towns on this big lake, right? You may have heard that before. Sea of Galilee, it's not so much a sea, it's a lake. Think Castaic, not the ocean. Uh, he was a fisherman, he was a fisherman. Being on this coastal town, this was a, a popular trade and, and vocation. Um, this, but this isn't recorded in John. This we find in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Uh, in Luke 5, where we see that he, along with James and John, uh, are in the business together. And when I was reading, there was one commentator that suggested it was a profitable business. They were good at what the, this trade of being fishermen. Um, these three, they also eventually uh, will make up the inner circle of Jesus' disciples, as we'll see next week in the Transfiguration. They're, they are the three disciples present for that event. 
Um, Peter, Peter comes to follow Jesus through uh, his brother Andrew's witness, uh, who was at first a disciple of John the Baptist. We see this in John uh, 1, 41. Uh, so just if you heard the scripture lesson there, there's something about Peter that's through and through from the beginning and end. Uh, in the beginning, he hears that Jesus is the Messiah and to come and follow him from his brother. And then in the scripture lesson today, at the very end of the gospel, uh, he hears, uh, he doesn't recognize it's Jesus, but he hears from the disciple whom Jesus loved, it is the Lord. Uh, there's something of Peter needs help getting things pointed out. And when he gets it pointed out, he snaps into it. Um, and so he comes to faith or he comes to know Jesus through his brother, Andrew. Peter's brash and impulsive. I think this is kind of what he's known for, right? He, um, you saw it today. He hears it's Jesus. And, and the text says in verse seven, he put on his outer garment for he was stripped for work and he threw himself into the sea. Like this just brash, impulsive character. Uh, I love, Pastor Garrett said it in the beginning, he's a pillar, though. He's a pillar. He's one of these pillars of faith, pillars uh, in the 12 disciples following Jesus. He becomes sort of a spokesperson for them. You, know, uh, you have the words of eternal life. Uh, those who know the liturgy well, when you say that, you're saying the words of Peter there. Uh, or, uh, where are you going? Why can't we go with you? That's Peter. He sort of is the spokesman uh, for the 12. And then later on, he becomes, uh, uh, he's, well, first of all, not later on, in Matthew, during Jesus' ministry, Jesus says, you are the rock, right, that I will build upon uh, my church. And then later on, uh, he becomes a pillar of the early church. He, he leads the church in Jerusalem. He is a crucial, crucial figure when it comes to uh, uh, the faith, Jesus' ministry, um, and, and for us as well today. Um, so I'd say all of that, really, right, to say, you know, Peter seems to be like he was there at the very beginning. He was there all the way through and through. He's not like Paul. Paul, Paul encounters uh, Jesus post-resurrection, um, post-ascension. And so uh, where's Peter's epiphany? <laughs> He's been there all along, right? Um, through the three years that are recorded, of Jesus' ministry, Peter is there. And he's not just there, but he is this hugely important figure in Jesus' ministry. Uh, not just in John or the Gospels, but from then on out, right? Huge figure in the church. Um, Peter's been there from day one. And so I think that kind of shows where Pastor Garrett was going with the sermon series. Uh, seeing last week, seeing Paul, the one who has this sort of epiphany, this life change sort of moment that where everything changes. And yet this week, now we peer in to the one who has always sort of been there, but struggles. See, uh, Paul, he stands as that sort of conversion moment uh, experience, that baptism moment, that Baptist type moment, that one time, like this is when everything changes. Uh, and there's plenty of you that have that sort of testimony and that uh, faith that's built upon that experience, that one time when the Lord revealed something to you, uh, what, um, and, and, and that has been the formative sort of foundation and influence in your walk with Christ. Uh, you may have been like Paul, uh, one who was denying and persecuting Christ through disbelief or through apathy, or, uh, and, and something just changes. 
Uh, But then there stands Peter, the one who's been there all along. Uh, You're the one that's grown up in the church. Your mom and dad took you as a kid. You went to Sunday school, maybe even Christian day school or high school. Uh, This is a Lutheran church, so you were baptized and you don't remember it, right? I'm one of these people. I'm one of these people. Whole life I've been a Christian. Never is there a time uh, from birth until now where I have uh, not... uh, considered myself a Christian. I was brought into the faith uh, by my family. However, um, if you are, right, if you are that person that's been here all the time, and reality is, I'm just going to put it out front, uh, everybody's a little bit of both, (laughs) because everybody has those experiences like Paul, where the Lord breaks in and teaches us and helps us uh, begin new beginnings in our walk with him, and everybody has a long journey, Uh, but for today, I'm kind of setting the two up against each other. Uh, If you're like uh, Peter, though, um, you know and you're that person that's been there all along, you know that just claiming the identity in and of itself uh, doesn't go very far in guarding you uh, and keeping you maybe righteous or keeping, uh, doesn't go very far in saving you all of the time, I guess you could say. Uh, Just because you're a Christian doesn't mean it's easy to always be a Christian. Um, and when we look at Peter in his life, I think we have a model and, ex- uh, and, and uh, an example of what that looks like. Peter, even though Peter was the one that got out of the boat and walked on water to Jesus, he took his eyes off him and started to sink. Uh, though he was the first disciple in the synoptics to confess Jesus as Messiah, the Son of God, We see him rebuke Jesus when Jesus tells him the mission he's on and the the death he's going to die. Though he bragged and boasted, I will never abandon you, Jesus, even even if everyone else does. In Matthew 26, in in John 18, we see, as Jesus predicted, uh, Peter denies Jesus, denies his following, denies his association around a charcoal fire. Listen to the reading today, around a charcoal fire. He denies him three times. And in our text today, in our text today, and remember, this is at the end of John, uh, Jesus has resurrected. Uh, Peter is back to his life. He's back to his just ordinary life. He's with his friends and and he decides to do what he had been doing before Jesus ever started to follow him. Um, And it's kind of crazy if you think about that. He's fishing. He goes back to being a fisherman. But literally on the same waters that he saw Jesus walk on and that he walked on too. Uh, He's literally on the same waters that Jesus calmed a violent storm over. And there he is just resuming back to the ordinary day-to-day life. So why does he go fishing? Why does he go back to what he was doing before? See, I think when we read John, I think we see that Peter, even though he saw the empty tomb the chapter before, um, he doesn't really quite believe it quite yet. He's struggling through it and with it. See, in the chapter before, uh, right before John 21, we have John 20, right? And in John 20, uh, you have uh, resurrection appearances. 21, we're told this is the third time. Um, And so uh, 
First, you get where Mary Magdalene, she goes to the tomb, and she, she shows up, she finds it's empty, and she runs to find Simon and the disciples and tell them, right? She runs, and so, and so Peter and the disciple whom Jesus loved, John, both run to the tomb to go see it for their, in their own eyes. And, and John, the disciple, it's funny, right? In John 20, it tells us that the disciple whom Jesus loved, he gets there first. He was a faster runner. But he waits for Peter to get there before he goes in. And then in John 20, this is 6 through 10, it says this. Then Simon Peter came, following him, went into the tomb. He saw the linen cloth lying there and the face cloth, which, Jesus has, uh, which had been put on Jesus' head. Not lying with the linen cloth, but folded up in place by itself. Then the other disciple, the disciple whom Jesus loved, had reached the tomb first and also went in. And he saw it and he believed. For yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their home. What follows this is the, experience, uh, is the appearance to Thomas and the disciples in the closed room. Peter's not mentioned there. And I think it's very much on purpose. In the, in the first account, the empty tomb, it only tells us that John, the disciple whom Jesus loved, the other disciple, is the one who comes to believe. And then it tells us that they didn't quite yet under the, uh, understand the scripture. So flash forward back to 21. Why is Peter fishing? I think it's because he's struggling. He doesn't quite know what to do with everything that's just happened. Um, See, Peter's life and witness shows us this back and forth is sort of that it's okay to struggle with Christ. Uh, It's okay to work through and have to go fishing, if you will, in the ordinary life to figure it out. It's not easy. Just because you've been a Christian your whole life, it's not easy. And to be honest, we're not honest, I think, enough about that at times. Um, It's a life that though we say with our, our lips, I follow Jesus, we deny him in our hearts and in our thoughts. Uh, Though we think we are faithful to him, we find ourselves faithless uh, in our day-to-day following. We struggle with him. It's a life of, the Christian life is a life of struggle and wrestling. Uh, and, and, And it gets frustrating because sometimes you think there are other Christians that are just untouched by this. You look at pastors maybe or people on Instagram that are always posting scripture verses, right? Or they're always taking things back to the Lord. Uh, But in reality, we all have our doubts. We all have our struggles. We all are like Peter at times. Um, And when you're doubting, when you're on the down uh, and you see people on the up, that's difficult. Um, And it's, um, and we, I think the worst thing we can do though is, is hide our doubt, it, hiding it, uh, keeping it sort of uh, to ourselves. Uh, because in my experience, because like I said, it seems like some people are untouched by this. So I should just come out and say, I'm not untouched by this. Just because I work in the church, just because I go to seminary doesn't mean that I don't struggle with this. Especially, is it crazy to think in this year that people aren't struggling through and with their faith? Um, and, and the worst thing that I've, I've come across in my experience through the struggles uh, with Jesus is when I try and hide it. Um, and I, and what, I've, what I've found is that there's really two things that motivate the hiding of our doubt, and it's fear and it's guilt. 
You know, you might be that person, like I said in the beginning, like Peter, the person that's always been there, it seems like. You've always been in the church. And so there's a fear. What will other people think? What will my brothers and sisters think of me? What will my family members think? Or friends and family, if I tell them this thing that I just, I'm so, this, this experience of life, and, and I'm, I'm questioning so much. There's fear of the unknown. You've built your whole worldview over things, and when you start to question things and start to doubt, uh, it seems as if everything crumbles. Uh, then you feel, there's a guilt, I think you feel. At least I have. You feel it toward the people that you have fear of letting down. It's a guilt of letting, uh, that you're letting someone down. And, and not just that, but even though you might be in a process of struggle and doubt, I still think that you feel a guilt toward God. Like, I'm sorry I'm doing this to you. Um, and, and it's hard to be honest about it with others because everybody hides it, I think. But in our text today, we see Peter, uh, the pillar himself, in the, his life and his witness is one who struggles with Jesus. Um, and and it, it helps us to see, uh, sorry, uh, I lost my bullet point. <laughs> it, uh, and the thing is, the healthy, that's what it is, what Peter helps us to see, I think, is that uh, it's, the healthy response is not trying to squash the struggle and squash the doubt. Uh, the response is not to try your darnest to rid yourself of it, like it's a disease. It's natural. It's a part of the faith experience and journey. Um, and, and what we see in our text today, the flip of the script, uh, and I think it's the, uh, the, the long struggle epiphany uh, that's not so clear, but is something that comes in and is born out of living in and through the experience of the struggle. The epiphany uh, of Peter, if you will, or the, the epiphany that any doubter would soon realize is that despite the doubt and the struggle of Peter and his up and down and his back and forth, uh, despite his denial despite his taking his eyes off Christ and sinking in the waters when he's, uh, uh, the waters that he's walking on, despite Peter's lack of faith, Jesus is still faithful to Peter through and through. Jesus does not abandon Peter. Jesus does not go away or try to replace Peter. Peter remains to be the rock in which Jesus builds his church on. Because Jesus loves Peter. That is the amazing thing about the God of our scriptures. When we see the God who stands in and front and behind the scriptures, we see a God who remains faithful to those who are struggling with him. I mean, Israel, the name of Israel, uh, who was Jacob, means he who wrestles with God. The entire Old Testament is about a God who remains faithful to doubting people and struggling people. The, the, uh, life, uh, Christ's love overcomes the doubter's faithlessness and continues to issue the call time and time again. Three times Peter denies Jesus around a charcoal fire in the priestly court. And three times, Jesus interrogates Peter around the charcoal fire on the shores of Galilee. 
Three times Peter sins against Jesus and three times Jesus offers repentance and forgiveness to Peter. And even in that graceful, loving forgiveness, Peter anguishes through it. (laughs) Yes, Lord, I love you. Yes, Lord, I love you. Meaning, don't hide it. You can anguish through the love and the struggle and still come to know and have that epiphany in your faith. Jesus restores Peter and takes special interest in him. Um, Not just in John 21, but throughout the whole narrative itself. Uh, Jesus seems to focus in on Peter here and then again because he's not getting it here and there. And even though uh, Peter through the whole uh, of Jesus' ministry is like, he's like this annoyance, this nuance, like that person we've all been around, like just get it already. Like just get it. I've told you a million times. Uh, Even though that's who he is, Jesus sticks with him and Jesus is patient with him. Even though there's John all along, Like John, the disciple whom Jesus loves, if you read through the gospel of John, it seems as if John just gets it. It's like, yep, got it, tracking. He's the one that recognizes, hey, it's Jesus. He's the one that goes, oh, the tomb's empty. Jesus rose from the dead. But nowhere in the gospels does Jesus say, why can't you be like that? No, he loves Peter for who Peter is. And it's the same love that Christ has for you. Even after uh, your fruitless days of of, of empty nets, where you find yourself dry and, and in need and in struggle with God and with Christ, Christ is faithful to you. Even when you doubt as Peter struggles, uh, the call still stands uh, to, to come to Christ, to follow him. It's always there for you. Uh, it's good news. You're never too far away from the grace of Christ. And, and I don't have any much more time. I think I'm already over my classic 13 minutes. <laughs> um, but if I did, you know, I would love to point out all of the amazing little things of this passage. Uh, for those who are in the struggles right now of faith, uh, one of the things I would tell you is jump into Scripture. You'll never be able to drill uh, to the bottom of that deep, deep well. There are so many things uh, within our passage today that are popping out and doing so much and, and offering uh, uh, new insights in how we follow Jesus. And, and one of the things that I haven't really touched on here at all because the focus is on Peter is that this text is a church text. It stands at the end of John 21 uh, as a model. Uh, it's not just a story of the disciples going fishing and Jesus being restored. Peter, I mean, Peter being restored. Peter is the rock in which Jesus builds the church. And the entire uh, passage in and of itself is, is teaching us what the church is to look like and be in this world in light of Christ's resurrection. That's just happened. Christ isn't physically around us, so how are we going to live? And for those who are in this struggle like Peter, uh, the message and the good news, it's found here. To, to rely on one another, to hear the word, uh, to be in the church, like, I guess what I'm trying to say is if you are doubting and struggling, the last thing you should do is tune out of church. <laughs> the first thing you should do is jump into the waters, rely on those who are on the up so they can help guide and shepherd you and tend to you and feed you. 
uh, as Christ is doing it. Just sometimes we can't see it. Be honest in your struggles. Be honest with one another. This is what the church is about. Ask the questions that burn in your heart and don't be afraid because Christ stands on the shore as the voice that calls out to you, giving you his word, his instruction, inviting you to come to breakfast and dine with him in his Eucharist. He sticks with you. He is faithful to you. He loves you. He's here and he's with you. In the holy name of Jesus, amen. Let's pray. Lord God, Heavenly Father, uh, we, we thank you uh, for your church, for the body that comes together, that unites around you your, in, in your son's word and his work. And Lord, uh, we pray for our hearts and our minds that you would strengthen us and give us uh, vision and faith in times of struggle. Lord, remind us of your faithfulness to us um, and how you are good to us each and every day. And Lord, um, call us uh, to follow you evermore in our struggle and in uh, our own doubts. We give all things to you and your son. Amen.